And welcome to the Pure Opelka podcast for Tuesday, the 26th of April. We're almost finished with April. I cannot believe that. It just went too quickly. And uh, I'm not done. I don't have my April to-do list finished yet. Now I'm going to have to do some kind of sprint for the rest of the week to get to all of it. A lot going on today, as there seems to be every single day, as things are happening faster and faster. For example, yesterday, of course, the Elon Musk purchase of Twitter was approved by the board. It'll take a, a couple of weeks, I'm sure, to get through all the paperwork, sign over the the building, the keys handed to Elon Musk. He's told all the employees, you got six months. Your jobs are safe for six months. They also locked down the technology so some of the wokenistas within Twitter cannot go in and monkey around with things. And um, the, the new owners have told the engineers, stop all the banning of people, stop all the suppression of conservatives. Tucker Carlson's back. Mark Levin is back. I hope James O'Keefe is back from Project Veritas. All these people deserve to be back. Tucker was a little excited last night on his show. A good news show. Don't get those too often. It's April 25th, 2022. Elon Musk bought Twitter today. That means that Twitter henceforth will be privately held. Elon Musk will determine what is allowed on the platform. Now, why is this significant? Not because it singles the sudden arrival of oligarchy, as you're hearing now. It's too late for that. Oligarchy is already here. Every major tech company is already controlled by billionaires. That's been the case for a long time. So this is nothing new. The reason today's sale of Twitter is big news, the reason it could turn out to be a pivot point in our history, is that Elon Musk does not agree with the rest of the billionaires in the tech business. Unlike the leaders of Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, Elon Musk believes in free speech. Yay, free speech. Yes, free speech. Especially speech you disagree with. That has to be protected. That's really what's at the heart of all the, all the anger and all the, the tears and furrowed brows by the people on the left. For example, nothing, truly nothing is better than the meltdown of uh, Ari Melber on MSNBC talking about Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Everything they accuse us of, they have been doing. Just remember that. Every time the left points a finger at you, there are three pointing right back at them. Listen to this little 30 seconds of tears in his cornflakes. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees. Or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. He is. He's absolutely an open-minded, free speech absolutist, unlike you people. Talking about turning down the influence of people, that's all that's been done by Twitter for the last five years easily. And don't even get me started on the suppression, the complete suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Twitter affected the election because they would not let people see the truth. They decided 
who got elected. That's flat out election meddling. And just to make sure we know the left, the left is not in on this. The leader of the Democratic Party and thus the leader of the left, Barack Obama. Yeah, he's he's got more sway than Biden. Biden's not even in the game now. Barack Obama said the quiet part out loud. You got to pay attention to Obama because he says things and he says them in a very impressive fashion. But what he says needs to also be analyzed from the standpoint of how he said it. I'm pretty close to a First Amendment absolutist. I believe that in most instances, the answer to bad speech is good speech. Now, that sounds really good, right? The answer to bad speech is good speech. No. No, the answer to bad speech, there's only one correct statement here. The answer to bad speech is more speech. Because if you qualify it by saying good speech, if you put that kind of a qualifier on it, then inherently you are allowing someone who will be appointed, anointed, etc., to tell us what good speech is. It's more speech. And the people need to be the arbiters of what they want to believe or not based on their own search for the truth. That line needs to be played all the time. I'm pretty close to a First Amendment absolutist. Except you're not. I believe that in most instances, the answer to bad speech is good speech. And you want the government to sanction what is considered to be good speech. The left melting down and the left, some of them deciding they're not going to be on Twitter anymore, is one of the more entertaining things I have seen in a long time. If you haven't watched Libs of TikTok, it's a Twitter account. Don't go on TikTok. I am advocating everyone on TikTok leave TikTok. TikTok is the Chinese inside your computer. Stay off of TikTok. Get your kids off of TikTok. They sneaked into your computer by talking about making cute dance videos. Now they're everywhere. Everywhere in America. But anyway, that's a little sidebar discussion. But watching libs of TikTok collect all of these videos of the left melting down over Elon Musk taking control of Twitter is just absolute gold. It is absolutely just a joy. They disagree with free speech because they can't they can't handle the discussion. If someone dares question what they're talking about and uses facts and not just feelings, they're gone. They're done. They're toast. They just have to call you a fascist, even though they don't understand that they are the fascists in this argument. Absolutely amazing. Just amazing. Libs of TikTok. You should follow them every single day. Okay, what else is on my list of things today? I have many, many things. Good news for the um, Title 42 It looks like this judge has put a temporary hold on the administration's attempts to let it die. Maybe they'll slow down the border search. I don't know. We will see. Biden yesterday, by the way, as a a sidebar to the Elon Musk thing, uh, the Biden administration with Jen Snarky let us all know just um, just how concerned Joe has been about big tech, big tech controlling media for quite some time. He's very concerned about it, right? Especially when the Hunter story was out there. Hmm. Okay. Uh, 
Hunter, speaking of weasels, uh, we're now learning he demanded that Bo Biden's widow, Bo Biden's widow, you know, his sister-in-law with whom he was having an affair after Bo died, I guess they were dating. I guess we can call it that. But it was unseemly nonetheless. Bo Biden's widow uh, got a call from Hunter and he demanded that she get an HIV test after they broke up. I guess he was worried that perhaps maybe he had contacted something from all the people he was connecting with. Hmm. Just throwing that out there. Uh, there's a really interesting story today that should scare the tar out of all of the people in the Democratic Party. And there, there is a new poll out, a new poll about the 2024 election. If we go back a week, Joe Biden was telling Barack Obama that he's going to run again, right? He told Barack, hey, I'm going to run again in uh, 2024. Want to be president again. Want to, you know, I'm doing such a good job. I'm sure the people will reward me with a second term i'm enhancing that uh, discussion we don't know exactly what was said but a new survey that came out yesterday shows that uh, joe biden loses loses to not sure as a choice for the 2024 election there's a list of all the possible democratic candidates and which one would you choose right now if the election were being held today, which one would you choose? Well, not sure beat Joe Biden and beat him handily. Beat Joe as well as Kamala. That can't be good. That can't be good in any any level for the Democrats. At the same time, we're also hearing that a growing number of Joe Biden advisors are said to be looking at ducking out before the midterms, trying to get ahead of the exodus that is no doubt on the way. It's not going to be good. If we can just keep everybody in the Republican Party on the rails until November, we should be good. Should be really good. Uh, I'm also looking over the story. Donald Trump said he's probably not going to go back to Twitter because Truth Social has been doing so well. I'm on Truth Social. You can find me. Just look for Mike Opelka or Stunt Brain or Pure Opelka. I think my truth social name is at pure Opelka and uh, Donald Trump's got his own social media network. Um, Yesterday, Greg Gutfeld on the five predicted Trump will be back there and back there soon because he can't avoid it. There certainly is a, a bigger ocean for, for Donald Trump to swim in if he chooses to go back to Twitter. It's bigger than the truth social at this point. Uh, a couple other weird stories we'll get to before we get to uh, Jim Stovall. Our buddy Jim Stovall has this week's Winner's Wisdom story and his usual discussion on uh, how to be better, a little motivation. Who doesn't need a little motivation? This is probably the weirdest story of the day. And just as I say that, I know there's another weirder story of the day. A Japanese man married a hologram in 2018. That's right. He married a computer image, a 3D computer image in 2018. Akihiko Kondo is the man's name. He married a hologram of a fake pop singer named Hatsune Miku. 
And now he's promoting this kind of lifestyle for people because he feels fulfilled, I guess. And he calls this choice of a lifestyle a fictosexual. I'm sorry? Fictosexual? Well, maybe he's got some social problems. Doesn't look like he's uh, an unattractive guy. Looks healthy and young and, and looks pretty good. But he's now married to a hologram. If that isn't the weirdest story of the day, then maybe this will get you. And I got this from my buddy, Rich Zioli. It's, uh, it's about the real estate market, which is really very hot right now. Most parts of the country, real estate is just on fire. A home in Virginia sold, and it sold for more than the listing price, which is not unusual these days. Uh, the, the people that own the home got five all-cash offers in under a week, despite the fact that the home also has in it a squatter who has been there for three years. It's really kind of an unusual situation. The owner of the home was an elderly man who's now hospitalized. And years ago, he met this woman who needed a place to stay, and she offered to clean his house if he would let her stay in his basement. So she lives in like in a basement apartment with her daughter. And she's been there for three years without a lease. And so the home was sold all cash for more than the selling price with a squatter and the squatter's daughter in the basement. We're living in very strange times, my friends. Very strange times. All right, I'm, uh, I'm going to get Jim Stovall in here, our buddy Jim Stovall, with his Winner's Wisdom discussion next on the Pure Pelka Podcast. Jim Stovall is back with us, and I am very happy about this. Jim Stovall, the man behind the Narrative Television Network, which helps people who are blind, who have visual problems to enjoy television and movies and he's written dozens and dozens of books and he speaks all around the country and he joins us every week and we are greatly appreciative of that time hello jim hey it is always great to be with you i'm glad you're here we were um we were talking briefly before we went on here about the decision last week by the wimbledon lawn and tennis club to exclude Belarusian and Russian tennis players from the upcoming major tournament. And going back and forth on this, and you started to tell me about uh, kind of a similar experience you had, and I said, hold on, Jim, I want to talk about this. So while I'm not fully understanding what the Russians and the Belarusian tennis players can do to stop the war, I, I'm curious to hear the parallel that you had here. Well, in the uh, in 1980, I was uh, starting to lose my sight, and I gave up my career and my aspirations to be a professional football player, and I had been exposed to Olympic weightlifting, and then I started pursuing that, and my goal was the 1980 Olympic Games that were in Moscow, Russia, and then all of a sudden, Jimmy Carter announced that we would be boycotting those games because the Russians had invaded Afghanistan. Now, at that time, I could not have told you uh, where Afghanistan was. This was 1980, and nobody knew, and, you know, the Russians had in invaded them, which was, uh, you know, nobody's in favor of that. But I, I, for the life of me, 
myself nor none of my teammates could understand what this has to do with with that. And I've always felt uh, sports in general and the Olympics specifically are the highest of ideals and should be uh, kept separate from those things. And and then after uh, those games, uh, uh, Ted Turner arranged some competitions and tours and things, and I got to meet and tour with Russian athletes, great, amazing competitors, and several of them became friends. And, uh, you know, none of us understood what the, uh, the, 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 the politicians were doing. And you know, and all we need to do is go back and look in 1936. A despicable character, uh, Adolf Hitler, kept the games there, and uh, and our own uh, Jesse Owens came and obliterated his uh, his Aryan nation and uh, their supremacy that they thought they had. And I, I just think the games are a great equalizer and a gr- great uh, way for people to come together. And I, you know, I I understand the emotion in Wimbledon. I understand, you know, nobody's in favor of this war, but a tennis tournament doesn't have anything to do with that. that those are all incredible points, and I'm glad you reminded us all of the performance of Jesse Owens in front of Hitler while Hitler was actually in the stands at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife brought up an interesting point about the Wimbledon exclusion, and she said, don't you think the royal family is is against this uh, possibility of having to have a, a, a princess or a member of the duchess, a member of the royal family, hand the championship trophy to a Russian? And I went, wow, I didn't even think about that, because that's who shows up at the trophy ceremony. A member of the royal family, and yeah, and, and that's don't... possible. Although in the '36 Olympics, we were just speaking of uh, during the medal ceremony, Adolf Hitler got to stand and face our flag and hear the national anthem. And uh, uh, what a great spectacle! What a great thing! And sports, uh, sports can do that. And I, I think the British Commonwealth that has existed in the the, the royalty for a thousand years. They could get by with a two-minute uh, ceremony there. I think I think they could survive this. And I mentioned to my wife, you never know what that winner might say when it comes to their turn at the microphone. There might be something about the war that would make a really strong statement to right. the people uh, causing it. So uh, yeah, and, and it it is nice to see the royals trying to take the high ground, but I I just don't think this is it. This is just uh, so many things we can do for the people in Ukraine, and this is not that. In sports, you know, I, I, I'll always remember and appreciate uh, George W. Bush right after 9-11 when, you know, everything was shut down. And, you know, the, the baseball said, hey, you know, the, you know, we need to take this seriously. And he said, no, no, no. We need to let the world know we are open for business. We're back to normal, and there's nothing nor- more normal in America than let's have a ball game and, uh, you know, let's play baseball in New York. And he threw out a hell of a f- first pitch, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he um, you know, and, and I've done that. That is not easy. You know, that you know that you think just 60 feet, 6 inches, man, it's um, – it's a long way over there. <laughs> and the whole world is watching. <laughs> oh, you're not kidding. I have stood out there. And, you know, they when they asked me to do it, they, they said, uh, 
you know, well, we'll just have the catcher walk out. You can just hand it to him or toss it to him. I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. Because I, I remembered <laughs> President Bush did it, so I'm doing this. So I, I practice. I mean, a former World Series pitcher, George Frazier, has a training center. He helped me. I'm gonna, I said, I, all i got to do, i got to get one pitch over the plate one time. And, of course, for a blind guy, first got to find the plate. That's very, very important. That <laughs> over very, here, very Jim, important. over here. Yeah, and you know, and I'd been practicing in this uh, quiet facility, so I mean, I would just, you know, the catcher would tap his glove and I'd hit it, no problem. We get to the stadium and it ain't like that, and all of a sudden I'm trying to find my guy, and but uh, but I will tell you, we did get one pitch over one time, and uh, since then we've had several teams ask if I would come, and I am officially retired. I got one over. Uh, perfect record. We're out. Yeah, uh, the walk away winner. Leave them Absolutely. wanting more, <laughs> and that, that's a perfect transition into this week's column: winning and losing. Jim, I, I love this column. I want to make sure I picked up everything you were trying to put down. What are we supposed to learn this week? Well, I was remembering uh, one of the great influences on my life. I lost several years ago uh, when I was a young man. I, I knew I was not going to get a traditional job because nobody wanted to hire this uh, blind weightlifting guy. So I started my own business, and I knew I needed great people around me. You're only as good as the people around you. And uh, I needed an accountant, and I needed a lawyer. And my father introduced me to his lawyer, and I got really excited. His name was Jack Santee. And all I knew about him was that he, he was old, but he had played on the Bud Wilkinson University of Oklahoma record team hmm. in the 40s and early 50s. They had won 47 games in a row, a record that will never be approached again. And he went all the way through college and never lost a football game. It's really amazing. And I thought, this guy's got to be you know, a, a winner. He's an animal. He, you know. So in my first meeting with him, uh, only because of his relationship with my father, I said, so you probably are a big winner. You have a great record in court. And that's when he said, son, it, it's not my job to win arguments or to win trials. It's my job to keep you out of arguments and keep you out of court. That's my job. And he taught me how to be accommodating and conciliatory and to create win-win relationships and be amicable and you know, that, that was my relationship with him. And, you know, for 40 years, I've run my business that way. And I'm very grateful among people in business. I, I've never sued anybody. I've never been sued. I've never done business with anybody I couldn't do business with again. And he taught me, you know, you do business on a handshake, and then you memorialize what you agreed to in a contract. A contract is a memory tool. It, it, it helps you remember what did we decide to do. But it, it's not a thing to get loopholes and gotchas and all that stuff. It's not what it's about. And, uh, you know, the, the way to uh, the highest and best way to win a war, to win a dispute or win an argument is avoid it completely. And today, Mike, so many people in our society, you know, it's not enough I want to make my point. I have to make you wrong. I have to embarrass you and make you wrong and ridicule you. And that's just not where we need to be. We are best when we are hearing all points of view, learning from one another, keeping an open mind. And uh, Sun Tzu said in his Art of War, the highest and best use of military might is to not have to use it. You know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt said, walk softly and carry a big, big stick. And 
you know, Reagan even taught us that the, uh, uh, the the purpose of military might is to not have to use it. Yeah, this is this is all great advice, but uh, so much about avoiding conflict is about not getting into something that's going to take you off your mission. You had talked about this gentleman, this lawyer who helped you out early on, and a guy you saw as a fierce competitor ends up being the guy who said, no, you don't want to look for the fierce battles. You want to look to avoid them. And I think about all the time we could have saved, all of the, all of the time that was wasted by arguments that didn't need to happen. And I've been there. I, I have engaged in the arguments for the sake of winning when only to find I really didn't need to be there. And I, I, we were taught, and I'm going to quote one of your other friends, Dennis Waitley, who used to say, you know, winning is a habit, but so is losing. And a lot of times we focused on the constant need to win something. But you brought it up here. If both sides can win, it's ultimately going to be a better better victory for everybody. Yeah, and too often today, the argument has become a bigger issue than the issue we were arguing about. After a while, the argument is is so violent, is so vicious, you forget what we were even talking about. It really doesn't matter. And, And, you know, if we'll stop and say, is this relationship, whether it be personal or professional, is this worth ruining this relationship over this issue. And frankly, right now, nobody's going to change their mind anyway. You you know, I don't (laughs) care how lofty and well-presented your argument is, nobody's changing their mind. So let them have their point of view, and let's move on down the road and deal with things we can improve. Great advice from our buddy Jim Stovall. His column is the Winner's Wisdom column. You can find it every week at jimstovall.com. This lesson, very important. But you know, Jim, you you tagged it with a really fantastic close on this because you talk about this gentleman who became a part of your life and he was a lawyer for you for a long time, but he always was a friend. And I love the way you wrapped it up by talking about great attorneys are valuable, but great friends are priceless. Nice tribute to that man. Absolutely. I mean, you go through your whole life, you get a handful of friends, Treat them with love and uh, like the treasures they really are. Great stuff, Jim Stovall. I hope everybody goes to jimstovall.com this week, and I hope you will come back again next week. Be with you then. 